Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Here on this podcast, we discuss various topics like pop culture, news, politics, and more. I am the host of this podcast, and my name is Shakira. If you are new here, we welcome you to go ahead and subscribe. When you are subscribing, you're going to be notified every single time we have a brand new episode. And if you have been with me for a while, you know that that is every Tuesday at 9 a.m. sharp. I do realize that I am on the East Coast, so I thought about this last week i was like wait if it's 9 a.m here it's like 6 a.m over in california over on the um west coast so i'm sorry if you're getting like podcast notifications at three o'clock in the morning i mean not three o'clock six o'clock in the morning but at least you're waking up to it you know so every tuesday at 9 a.m if you're on the east coast that is um so thank you all for listening thank you all for coming back for a brand new episode y'all already know what's about to happen we are going to jump into our carefree updates and then we're going to hop into our topic of the day All right, guys, so I have some good news for everyone in the United States right now. And I'm going to read this article from TheRoot.com for you all. If you all remember, I think for the last two weeks, we have been talking about um, hair discrimination. We've talked about it uh, with the student out of Texas. His name was DeAndre. And they said that he couldn't walk with his graduating class because of his locks. They wanted him to cut his hair to be able to walk for his graduation. Ain't that something? Anyway, this article on the root, it is about the Crown Act. So if you haven't heard about the Crown Act, it does give you a little background as to what it is, what it's about, and where it's hopefully heading for all of the 50 states. So here's the article. It says that we've all seen and heard stories of black children being pulled out of class and black employees having their jobs placed in jeopardy over their hairstyles. Last month, for example, Texas high school student DeAndre Arnold made headlines after he was suspended over his locks and told he needed to cut them before he was allowed to graduate. Well, there appears to finally be a reckoning happening across the nation regarding this discriminatory practice, which has been going on for years, if not decades, as more and more states are passing bills to ban it. CNN reported last week, last week they reported this, that three states introduced or advanced bills that will ban hair discrimination as part of a national effort known as the Crown Act. So the Crown Act stands for Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. The Crown Act seeks to ensure protection against discrimination based on hair texture and protective styles. The Colorado State House passed their Crown Act um, last Wednesday, and the state Senate introduced the bill on Thursday. Washington State House passed their bill the same day that Thursday, um, and that would prevent employers and schools from discriminating, hopefully, listen, hopefully, discriminating against people over hairstyles and textures, including afros, braids, locks, and twists. And everything in between when it comes to black hair, because y'all know we have some styles, okay? So the bill was introduced in the state senate on Friday for them. Now in Minnesota, that is the third state that did all this work last week. They had a similar bill be introduced um, earlier 
last week. So I think like Monday or Tuesday they had theirs. So it says that you may remember just a couple of weeks ago, director Matthew A. Cherry, who won an Oscar for the short film Hair Love, which is a story, it's an animation about um, this black father who is trying to style his daughter's natural hair and he's just having some issues. If you haven't seen it, it is on YouTube. I highly suggest that you check it out. So he invited DeAndre to the Oscars with him because it was such a huge story about DeAndre not being able to walk, you know, for graduation. And that's a huge accomplishment. Anyone, whether you're in high school right now, whether you're you graduated from high school or not, like, you know, high school graduation is a huge accomplishment. It's something that you look forward to as a teenager. You know, you just can't wait to graduate. I was one of those kids like I couldn't wait like I had dreams of the day that I was going to walk across the stage and I just can't fathom being told that I need to cut my hair in order to be able to graduate like that's not even something that you envision when you think about graduation day but here we are it was happening so he invited DeAndre and his family to the Oscars with him they went had a good time as far as I could see now during the Oscars one of the things that Matthew said during his speech which I loved he said that hair love was done because we wanted to see more representation in animation we wanted to normalize black hair and there's a very important issue out there it is the crown act if we can get help to get this passed in all 50 states it will help stories like DeAndre Arnold's stop to happen so that is so important I am personally you know I have never Hold on, let me think. As far as I can remember, I don't think I've ever, or maybe I didn't realize, I don't know, I'm 25, but, you know, in every work situation I've had and every school situation I've had, I've been blessed enough and privileged enough to not be discriminated against because of my hair, um, the texture of it, the style of it, or anything like that. Now, I do realize that I am speaking from a very privileged position when it comes to hair texture because my hair is not the texture. Um, let me see. How do I say this? I guess my hair is more, the texture of my hair is more acceptable in, you know, white society, in American society, as opposed to, say, a 4C you know, or a kinky or coarser textured hair. So I do recognize and understand that. Um, so I am still happy about this for all of my brothers and my sisters and my cousins and my family and my people out there who have been discriminated against because of hair texture. And you just never know, like, you know, I'm speaking from right now. I've never had that happen, but who's to say that tomorrow or a month from now or a year from now, that would not happen to me as well. So I am so happy that this is happening. I'm so happy that it's popping off. And I hope that the rest of the states follow suit. Um, at least 22 states are following suit so far and considering it into legislation. So we will see. We'll see. Um, Cincinnati, Ohio, Montgomery County, Maryland, they've all already passed it. So I hope that other states, you know, recognize it and are like, okay, let's let's get with the program. So I am happy about that. Now, that's all I have for like social kind of issues right now. I do want to go into entertainment. You know, I love me some good TV shows. I love a good movie. Y'all know to know me is to know that that is right up my alley, right? So I do want to run some shows across you all's conscious just in case you haven't heard about them or you haven't checked them out or saw a commercial 
who knows so first things first y'all know I love me some Ava DuVernay (laughs) I love some Ava DuVernay let me just speak it right now I'm going to put it out in the atmosphere because it is going to manifest and come back to me I am going to not only meet Ava DuVernay one day I am going to work with Ava DuVernay mark this episode right now y'all because it's going to happen mark my words so she has a new show she is the creator of and it is coming on OWN the OWN network and the name of it is Cherish the Day I had seen quite a few YouTube commercials before videos I was watching and I kind of was just like brushing it off (laughs) like I'm not gonna lie I was hitting skip ad every time it came up but I for some reason last week I was like looking for things to watch and it popped in my head I'm like cherish the day okay let me see what that's about because it aired for the first episode last week so it airs every Wednesday I'm not sure what time but I mean who watches tv at the time a show actually airs you know we have like on demand and all these streaming services now so I watched it on the OWN Network um, website, so I'm not sure what time it airs on TV, but it is titled Cherish the Day, and so it's about this story. It's a love story, basically, and it's about um, this girl, this woman. She, Cicely Tyson is in it, and I think that she is like a filmmaker or an actress or something like that. And she's kind of been like disregarded. Her work has been disregarded over time because of her race and the time that she was coming up. But this woman is working as her, I guess she's like her assistant. She's Cicely Tyson's assistant on the show. She runs into this guy. He is a software engineer. They're from opposite sides of the track. So um, let me tell y'all something real quick. I was a little triggered while watching it because... I do identify way too much with the woman on the show because um, we have talked about this before, but y'all know vulnerability is not my strong suit in relationships, okay? So I'm very vulnerable with you all and in friendships, but when it comes to, you know, romantic relationships, not so much. So I... I was triggered, okay? So the things that she was saying, the things that she was doing, and, you know, while I'm watching this, I'm like, girl, just let the man love you. Let the man help you. And then my subconscious popped outside of me and was looking at me like, you're talking to yourself. You need to do that. So anyway, (laughs) that's another conversation for another day. If you want to check that show out, I highly encourage you to do so. Now, speaking of black love stories, let's talk about the movie that just came out, The Photograph. No spoilers. I promise I have no spoiler alerts for you guys because I haven't even seen it. Okay, so don't, you know, most of you all have probably seen it before I have. Um, But I did have a subscriber, a carefree family member, write me on Twitter and it's like, girl, can you do? podcast episode on the photograph and I said girl yes when I see it so I am going to be seeing it this week Tuesday because the movies are five dollars okay balling on a budget around here so I will go see it and um let me just say that I have been feeling some kind of way I'm not gonna lie I have been feeling some kind of way about uh all of the 
critiques that I have seen about the movie, to be honest. I've seen so many people, you know, I've seen, like, mixed reviews. I've seen a few people here and there say, oh, I love the movie. It was great. It was awesome. It was perfect to me. And then I have seen a lot of people um, on the opposite side of the spectrum. Like, I hated it. It was boring. It moved too slow. Nothing was interesting about the movie. So I am going to save, you know, my personal uh, feelings about the movie itself um, until after I see it. But I am going to say this. And this is no shade directly towards anybody. If you didn't enjoy the movie, that's okay. You just didn't enjoy the movie. There are movies that people love that I just cannot get into. And movies that I love that other people cannot get into. So varying opinions make the world go round. We say that all the time on here. Um, But one thing I will say is that I have a notion. I have an idea, maybe even a hypothesis that, um, you know, black people are people, my people. I love us to death. Don't get me wrong. But I do feel like sometimes we have been exposed to so much trauma not drama, not D-R-A-M-A, but trauma, T-R-A-U-M-A, in film and television that we um, kind of become predisposed to it. Now, to be predisposed to something, it is just somebody being more inclined or leaning more towards a specific attitude, action, or condition. That's what predisposed mean. And when I say that, I mean like, We have seen so many TV shows, so many movies, I mean, so many forms of media that um, the story is just about black trauma all the time. And we don't know how to intake a lot of media that is just a love story or just a story of someone's life if it doesn't have a lot of elements of like trauma like ifs oh I hate I hate to even go here I hate to even go here because I feel like I would need someone else to sit down with me and maybe after I see the movie we can have a entire episode dedicated to it if I feel the need you know for us to dive into the subject further and I don't want anyone to feel any kind of way about me saying this but I feel like if it doesn't involve someone screaming at the top of their lungs all the time or cursing you out or trying to shoot you out a window or burning the house down or throwing your clothes, you know, out the window and your game station and everything else. We don't think it's exciting enough. Um, and all of those things that I just mentioned are part of our experiences. All of those things that I mentioned are things that we go through. Black people are not a monolith. People say this all the time. So sometimes I feel like we just need stories that are just plain, like just straight to the point, practical, um, realistic. Not to say that those other things aren't realistic because I have a few cousins <laughs> that have been through that. So um, I just I just want a new wave of love stories for black people where it's not um, super 
dramatic <laughs> like to be honest and that's just one woman's opinion and I don't know how other people feel about that but that's just how I feel at the current moment when it comes to the movie because I have had a few people DM me wanting to talk about it and the only thing I can tell them is what I just told you being that I haven't seen the movie yet um but when I see it this week I will come back on next week's episode and tell you all how I felt about it Last thing I want to run across you all's um, mind about TV shows is the new show High Fidelity on Hulu. Apparently, this show is a spinoff from a movie and the record store owner in this show is played by um, Zoe Kravitz. Y'all know Zoe Kravitz. That's Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet's beautiful beautiful daughter okay um she plays the lead character she owns this record store apparently they don't get a lot of customers but from what I see they have a whole lot of customers <laughs> I'm about eight eight episodes in but it is on Hulu I believe it launched on Valentine's Day so if you want to check it out go ahead and I just wanted to tell you all about that one because I hadn't seen any commercials any promo or anything for it I was just like scrolling through um Hulu last night actually and I saw her face and I was like oh she has a show so yeah in case you haven't seen it and you want to check it out it is on Hulu and that is all I have for our carefree updates today with that being said let's have a quick break for our sponsors and then we're going to hop into our topic of the day when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys. So as you all know, if you have been listening for the past uh, two podcast episodes, you already know this. We are smack dab in the middle of um, I don't even know if we have had a name for this series, but we started off the season with this series that is just covering black history figures that are not acknowledged as much as I feel like they should be acknowledged or I feel like people don't know enough about or we don't teach our kids enough about so that was the sole purpose of February is Black History Month so why not um the first episode in this season we talked about um Esther Jones who was the inspiration for the character Betty Boop uh last week we talked about excuse me y'all because I'm doing this black history coverage on my Instagram every single day so we're about like what 17 days in right now so I have like 17 different people in my head and it's kind of hard for me to keep up right now um last week we talked about Mary Ellen Pleasant who was a millionaire and I believe at the peak of her life I guess you can say she was worth allegedly 30 million dollars she had investments in wells fargo in dairies and laundries she had a mansion in san francisco but she was still also heavily involved with civil rights she was extremely involved with 
Harper's Ferry, John Brown's Raid on Harper's Ferry. So if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, go back and listen to last week's episode because it's going to give you all the tea. It's going to tell you all the tea about her life and how all of those things came to be. But this week, you know, I was torn between two people. Last week, I told you all um, that I was wrestling with the idea of either making this kind of coverage a separate podcast or whether it should be a YouTube thing or how we should go about this. I believe we have found a consensus that everyone seems to agree with, uh, and I'll tell you all what it is next week, so stay tuned for that. But um, for right now, I was wrestling with the idea of two different people. I didn't know if I wanted to cover a woman her name was Zelda Wynn Valdez or if I wanted to cover a man his name was Oscar Michaud I believe that's how it's pronounced so I was like oh we've been covering women all this time maybe I should cover a man now um but I'm gonna go with Zelda because that is who um I just feel like we should go with this week and I'm sorry to all my brothers out there we are going to get to the men okay we're gonna get there but for right now if you want to read about some men go over to my Instagram page which is at Shakira White and you can read about them all you want but we're gonna get to them but right now I felt like this week we deserve to talk about Zelda basically what had happened was so when you look at um red carpets today when you look at ballet today when you look at playboy bunnies today you know all of these are three different categories right of wardrobe three different fields you probably would not even think about playboy bunnies red carpet looks and ballet in the same thought right you wouldn't even think about that but when we talk about Zelda Wynn Valdez she was a pivotal figure in all three of these categories and we're going to talk about that and who she was where she came from her inspirations and all of that because it's so 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 important to know where we came from so we can know where we're going so here's the tea on Miss Zelda all right so Zelda was born in 1905 I did find one particular date that it said that she was born, but don't quote me on this. It says that she was born June 28th, 1905. But I have found, you know, in researching all of these different historical figures that, you know, back in the early 1900s, people were not really documenting births that accurately. So I kind of take um, birth dates with a grain of salt. But if I see a consistent year, I kind of go with that. So 1905, Miss Zelda was born. Zelda was the oldest of seven children. She's the oldest. Um, I'm the youngest in my household, so I don't understand how it feels to be the oldest child. But I'm sure, you know, growing up, she had a lot of responsibilities, especially being the oldest of seven. So she grows up. She was born in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, up north, and she was learning to sew. So she had her grandmother. She was around her grandmother all the time, and her grandmother, um would have like a seamstress sew her clothes so she would just sit there and watch all of these clothes being sewn and of course by watching this she started to have a passion for the field of like fashion sewing being a seamstress and everything like that so boom 
here we go, Zelda. She is in high school now. And she asked her grandmother, you know, Grandma, let me make you a dress. Let me sew you a dress. See if you like it, girl. And her grandma is like, huh? no, <laughs> I'm not going to let you sew me a dress. But eventually she did let her sew one. Um, and the quote that Zelda said, her grandmother said was, um, daughter, you can't sew for me. I'm too tall. I'm too big. And this was in an interview that Zelda did um, in 1994. So she tells, you know, her grandmother tells her this, but you know how grandmas are. They're going to let you do it anyway, even though they say no. So she lets her sew this dress and it fit perfectly. Okay. So Zelda, she continues, you know, with this passion for fashion that she has. And when she graduates from high school in 1923, she goes to White Plains, New York. While she's in New York, she has her uncle up there. You know, she got her kin people and everything. So her uncle, he has a tailoring shop that he's running. So he's like, okay, you know, I see you like fashion. And she's probably like begging him, Unc, please, just let me show you what I got. Let me come work for you. Let me learn. So being the good uncle that he is, he's like, okay, cool. Come into the shop. So she starts working um, in her uncle's tailoring shop, learning more about the trade, learning more about clothes and everything like that. So now it's the 1930s. She moves from the uncle's tailoring shop and she got a job working as a stock girl in an upscale boutique. So this was a white boutique with white clientele, white employees, and she was actually she went on to be the first black sales clerk and tailor in that shop not and tailor the shop but and tailor <laughs> in that shop she was the first black one in this upscale boutique you know i'm pretty sure it was fancy schmancy all up and through the place so again this is still in new york so she's working as a stock girl before she works her way up to become a clerk and a tailor so, all right, she's learning, you know, more about the trade, more about clothes, more about, you know, textures and textiles and all this different stuff. Okay, I don't know that much about, you know, in-depth clothing. I love some clothes, but I don't know the specific, you know, verbiage, verbiage for clothing. So, after a while, Zelda learns as much as she can. And one thing that I have realized when I have been researching these people is that oftentimes they start off in what we consider today like low-lying positions or positions that many of us don't want to start in today like we want to go straight to the top we want to you know go from where we are right now to being the best of the best and having our name in lights and what I have grown to learn through all of these different people during this month is that many if not all of them started as you know being in the back being the helper, learning as much as they can before going on to creating their own things and blazing their own paths. So that is a deeper lesson that lies within all of these different people that I have grown to learn over the course of this month. So back to Miss Zelda. Zelda, you know, it's 1948. She's learned as much as she can from the shop. She goes and opens her own boutique. And that made her the first black person to own a store on Broadway in Manhattan. So sis was, you know, breaking down, breaking down the wall, opening the door for us before we even had an idea about what any of this was. So she becomes the first black store owner, you know, of this shop. And the name of the boutique that she had was Chez Zelda. So in her store, 
Zelda had a knack for, I mean, she was way ahead of her time, y'all. So the dresses that we see on the red carpets that we see in magazines, you know, figure flattering, body hugging, you know, sitting right on the waist, low cuts. Zelda was doing this before, you know, way before our time. She was really ahead of her time. So in her store, she would have these gowns that were hugging the body she would have them that you know they were low cut where you could see a little cleavage you know nothing wrong with a little cleavage and she was just unapologetic about you know emphasizing a woman's figure especially keep in mind this is the early 1900s okay people are still very modest they're still covering up like you know you know definitely not like today so she was a trailblazer in doing that so she would have these gowns in her store so her store especially with her being a black boutique owner a lot of um, black celebrities performers singers actresses they would come to her because you know not only is she um, a black woman who understands their silhouette you know having hips having curves and owning that but she was also a black woman understanding what they were going through in upscale boutiques because keep in mind if you black you black it doesn't matter if you are an actress a singer your money is green just like someone else's money you are still facing racism and discrimination in these places regardless right so they would come to her instead of the other boutiques that they would have to go to to get their gowns and dresses made because she understood their plight now mind you this was let me see y'all know nat king cole if you don't know nat king cole what's wrong with you (laughs) i'm not judging you but i'm judging you okay so nat king cole got engaged to maria maria who is now maria um cole she was you know huge back then especially nat king cole so she was getting married her and nat were getting married and she hired Zelda to design her wedding dress. So when she designed the wedding dress, y'all, oh my gosh, you have to go on um you have to go on Google and type in I said Maria Cole, Maria Ellington. Um sorry. You have to go on Google and type in Maria Ellington wedding dress. And look at the dress. Oh my gosh, she looked like a princess. She really looked like a princess. So she designed the wedding dress and that is just what set like Zelda on fire when it came to designing, especially for um, celebrities and clientele like that. So after that, you know, all of the celebrities are at Maria and Nat King Cole's wedding. So they see this dress and they're like, girl, who made that dress and so she puts them on game she's like Zelda she over in Manhattan girl you need to go and see about to get your dress made so all the girls start going to um Zelda's shop her boutique to get their dresses made I'm talking about Diane Carroll Dorothy Dandridge Eartha Kitt Ruby Dee Mae West you name it they were there they were there getting their dresses made by Miss Zelda now the the I mean is she really had a genius about her because what I'm about to tell you, two things I'm about to tell you are just going to be like, wow, she was blessed. Like, she really had a gift for using fashion to promote other people's talents. Like, not only their outer beauty, but just their talents in general. So, all right, boom. It's still, you know, early 1900s. 
she is approached she meets this singer the singer her name is Joyce Bryant if you haven't heard of Joyce Bryant um you may have heard some of her music drunk with love not drunk in love by Beyonce and another song that she had was really popular is love for sale go on YouTube you know everything is on YouTube and you can listen to those songs but Zelda and Joyce meet so at this time Joyce was kind of like wearing clothing that was not exactly figure flattering for her and so Zelda tells her listen sis let me make you some dresses that are going to you know show off your shape you know give you some sensuality and that's gonna make you that's gonna make your career jump right boom Joyce is like okay let's do it Zelda starts dressing her designing gowns for her and Joyce's career takes off it takes off now one funny thing I found about this was that they said that the dresses were so tight and they were so well fitted that Joyce was never able to sit down while she was wearing the dresses but it was a small price a small price to pay for the bold statement that was made and she was all of a sudden a newfound sex symbol and she got you know spread in life magazine they started calling her the bronze bomb the bronze blonde bombshell try to say that three times fast so they started giving her all of these new attributes and finally people were recognizing her as the powerhouse she was not only for you know her looks in these dresses but people started recognizing her voice so Zelda was able to get attention on Joyce by what she was wearing at the time and that's amazing and I'm so happy that that happened for Joyce Bryant because she was super talented and she was you know a great singer all right, another reason I say that Zelda was so amazing and so gifted at what she did. There's another singer. Her name was Ella Fitzgerald. I am almost positive that you have heard of Ella Fitzgerald at some point in your life, if you are black at least. Um, Ella Fitzgerald was amazing, right? She was a jazz singer. So this is another quote, and it says, this is from Zelda. She says that I was able to measure her. She's referencing Ella once but thereafter she was so busy that she didn't have the time she would order always in a rush and I would study photos of her and guess her increasing size she always said they fit and she'd order more always three dresses at a time I never had more than three or four days to finish the gowns I am pleased to say that I never missed a delivery do y'all know how talented you have to be <laughs> to just guess someone's size and design gowns for them in a rush like that and I was reading another article where it said that she would just like look at new photos of her I guess whether it be in magazines or on television she would find performances where you know most recent performances of Ella just to see like how she was looking these days right and just kind of guesstimate what her new size was and I was just like oh my gosh the talent the talent just jumped out so I mean that's amazing to me and I know I I wouldn't be able to do it okay I can't even remember my own uh measurements let alone guessing someone else's so Zelda was super talented so one of what many people may say is her greatest accomplishments so remember I was talking about you know we covered the celebrities and the gowns and everything like that but remember I mentioned playboy bunnies right one day 
Hugh Hefner, we all know Hugh Hefner. I don't have to tell you who he was. He commissioned Zelda to make the very first um, Playboy Bunny outfits. So if you think about the Playboy Bunny outfits, I know you are thinking about the ears, the collar with the little bow tie, the one piece where it's like, you know, the sweetheart neckline um, and it has the little furry what is it called like a a puff or something on the butt area like a bunny you know like a little bunny tail he commissioned zelda to make those outfits like come on y'all come on a black woman did that a black woman did that and i was reading so many articles where people were trying to discredit her and say no she didn't do that she didn't do that but listen I read enough. I saw enough research to know that he commissioned her to do that because she took so much pride in um, showing off women's shapes, you know, not in like a super sexual kind of way, but just accentuating them and owning, you know, our figures before, you know, even today was 2020 and we're on this new wave of body acceptance, even though we're still dealing with a lot of, um, We're still dealing with a lot of that, but, you know, she was a pioneer in that even back then, because again, this was during a very modest era for people. So he commissioned her to make these Playboy outfits. And, you know, that is what we know Playboy as. When you think about Playboy, you think about those outfits. When people dress up during Halloween as Playboy bunnies, they're going to put on those outfits. And a black woman did that. So that's something to be proud of y'all that is something to be proud of even though people still try to discredit her her work for that but he did it he hired her to do that so that is crazy and I was reading that apparently um in New York she staged a lot of fashion shows at the Playboy Club so they had a ongoing working relationship her and Hugh Hefner when it came to fashion and you know women's bodies and things like that so that's amazing to me now another thing remember we okay we've covered Playboy right we have covered you know red carpets and gowns and you know all of the fancy stuff remember I said ballet all right here is what may be you know it depends on your personal preference what may be one of her greatest accomplishments was at the age of 65 she had started working um with the new york city ballet so in the new york city ballet she started designing costumes for the dance theater of harlem so at this time arthur mitchell he was the first black principal dancer to perform in the new york city ballet he starts working with the theater of harlem and he finds miss zelda and he's like zelda i need your help we need a costume designer so it's hard to find um costume design like there's a difference between people who are good at designing costumes and people who are good at designing like everyday wear but Zelda like met right at the crossroads and she was blessed enough and gifted enough to be able to do both you know she could do both of them at the same time so she designed over 80 productions of the Harlem Dance Theater's costumes which is amazing imagine You have numerous girls and boys that are dancing ballet and designing 80, over 80 different productions. She did that. Now, one of the greatest contributions came when, you know, back then, this was when um, 
everyone, regardless of skin color, black, white, um, brown, you were going to be wearing pink tights, pink leotard, pink shoes. Now, it was supposed to be to wear um, the costumes would mirror someone's skin color, their skin tone. But of course, um, for black and brown boys and girls, pink is not mirroring their skin tones. Here's what Ms. Zelda did. Zelda started dyeing the tights of each dancer to match their skin tone. Not just one dancer, not just two dancers. Each dancer, she would dye their tights to match their skin tones. And she is the reason that today ballet dancers and dancers everywhere have options to find, you know, tights and leotards and point shoes that match their complexion. That's amazing to me. Like when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, like you, you know, we take for granted so many times. I mean, every day we take for granted the different things that people have done to make our life so much easier and to really encourage diversity in such a way that we don't have to fight for those things. Like you can go in a ballet shop and pick out tights and shoes that match your complexion and you don't think twice about who is the face behind that who did that who created that so I mean it was just amazing so later in her life she not only did those things but she also was the president of the National Association of Fashion and Accessory Designers and this was a coalition that was founded for the sole purpose of promoting black designers that coalition was put together so that we can have a Ruth E. Carter, who was the costume designer and wardrobe designer behind Black Panther. She was the reason that we have a Tracy Reese today. She is the reason that we have platforms for costume designers everywhere of color, black women, black men of color in the United States today. She did that. And that is the reason I wanted to share her story um, and just tell you all a little bit about what she did. I'm sure she did so much more, but those were the things that I really wanted to highlight and showcase about her life. Because if you're anything like me, you probably did not know that before hearing about her and putting, you know, not only a face to a name, but the attributes and contributions that she added to the world of fashion and television and ballet and playboy you know for us to have today such a blessing and such an honor to even be able to share her story um so that's all i have for the topic of the day stay tuned because right after this we are going to have shakira's keys guys so I have been um doing daily meditations every morning if you follow me on Instagram you probably already know this because oftentimes I will post on my Instagram story with a few meditations that hit me or hit a little bit closer to home I will share them on my Instagram story my personal one not the podcast page but what I have been seeing for the past few days 
is a reoccurring theme about peace and how we as a people have to strive for peace. So I want you to remember that this week. I want to encourage each and every one of you to strive for peace in your life first not with other people but strive for peace within yourself within your mind within your heart within your spirit because it's so important to first be at peace with yourself before you can be at peace with anyone else in your life you have to be at peace with self first and I was thinking before I started this key I was like what does peace even mean so I looked up the definition of peace and it is really just freedom of the mind from annoyance distraction anxiety and obsession etc a state of tranquility or serenity so find peace strive for peace this week strive for tranquility strive to not obsess over things that are out of your control and strive to be in a state of just present right so often we are thinking so far in advance of what we're going to do tomorrow um that interview that we have coming up that email that we're looking forward to and in us doing that we are doing nothing but kicking up anxiety kicking up a state of unrest within ourselves so live presently strive for peace within because once you find that peace within only then can you find peace in your relationships with other people stay black and carefree and we'll see you next week in next week's episode of the carefree and black diaries i love you guys bye